Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. We are here, um, unfortunately, once again, Hobbsless. Um, we'll talk about that as uh, he, he just needed the week off, and so um, we are back. Tay and I are back to record again, um, talking mental health. It's still May, it's still Mental Health Awareness Month, though decided that there's been a lot of heavy stuff going on and a lot of heavy topics to talk about. So, Tibbly's your, your suggestion to, um, Talk about joy. Talk about things that are a little more th- that are help you know helping us. Yeah, something so, a little happier. Yeah. So why don't I introduce myself, seeing as I talked and then used your name and haven't introduced my voice. Uh, I'm Alex, found on Twitter at Mel underscore Chronicler. My pronouns are he him. Tay, you want to do your intro? Sure. I'm Taya uh, at Taya Transcends. Uh, she, her, or they, them. Um, also like to thank the grinding coffee company, a minority owned LGBTQ run coffee company that, uh, keeps Hobbs and all of his caffeine needs. I have heard from other of our, uh, other cast fans that they've really appreciated the, uh, or coffee from them as well. So I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, Alex isn't either, but. I've heard nothing but good things and uh, appreciate to have, or, you know, always glad to have their support. Oh yeah, absolutely. And thank you for, for remembering. I tend to forget when Hobbs isn't here and I have to be responsible for that. I, I have had solo episodes. I, I don't think I've ever actually forgotten, but I have had solo episodes where I, that's the last thing I record. Cause I remember right as I'm finishing, like, Oh no, I haven't done this. Um, like you say, I, I, I'm not a big coffee drinker. You're not, but uh, really appreciate all the support they've given us over the years. It's been multiple years now of supporting us, and they're big about supporting gamers, so we appreciate that and want to shout them out. So thank you to them, and thank you, Tay, for, for remembering to do that right at the top here. Um, and so we're going to open with a an opening question like we, we normally do and kind of talking about joy. We'll, we'll dig into some bigger things later, but thought that it would be kind of a good opening question to just say, you know what, something in the last week that maybe was a smaller thing, just something something nice that just um, brought you some joy, brought you some some happiness. And so for, for myself, I'll start off last Saturday when we're recording this a few days ago um, was, was supposed to be my D&D group. We, we have an every other Saturday thing, but unfortunately some people couldn't make it. We weren't able to play, but a few of us were still able to get together and play some games. And I was able to introduce two of my friends to what is easily my favorite board game to play now. Well, a real dice forge is the name of the game. I have one other that I really like because it's just a nice yeah. chill, relaxed game, but dice forge is, have you, have you played dice forge? I have played dice forge. That's a pretty nice. cool game. It, it is a literal dice builder game for, for folks who haven't played it. You, you have two six sided dice that you use and you're rolling them and accumulating resources but then you use resources to buy new faces to go on the die and you can pop off the old ones, put a new one on there. And so it's got some cool, you know, RNG in there. So you've got some variance to the play, but there's also some good strategy And because you have two dice. There's a lot of different, like, do you try to build up one to be really good or do you try to mix things up to go for a higher, you know, higher variance, but potentially higher ceiling. It's, it was a lot of fun. In fact, I, my friends had so much fun. We played it and they had someone like, let's just play that again. And so there's a few cards and things that are part of the game. And we just swapped the ones out that had alternates. And we played again and, and they're like, Let, let's play a third time. So we just played the same game three times in a row and um, we all had a blast. So that, that was a lot of fun. 
That sounds like fun. Yeah, it's a great game. I've I've played it um, at the gaming retreats um, that I've been involved in, and uh, yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. And it, it's one that I was introduced to by a cousin of a friend of mine when they came to. Again, it was an, it was for a different group, but it was another uh, like we couldn't meet up, we couldn't play the normal Pathfinder we were going to do, but let's play some board games, and so. This guy's cousin came, brought Dice Forge, and and that that well, we played two games with that one because we did the same thing. Where it was like we played it, we switched out all the cards, played the other configuration, and I mean, and you can mix the cards up a little more than that. But it was like we played with just swapped out all of them we could, and that one him bringing this game to this one session has sold at least five copies because I bought one. Another guy who was there bought one, and I've gotten at least three friends to buy a copy of the game. So that word of mouth really big in in some communities like that. Very cool. Well, um, mine would be you know, also on Saturday. One of my partners invited me out for a, a cute little date idea. Something I hadn't think of them before, but a, a local farm was doing a thing on like, if you wanted to raise your own chickens and I have no interest in raising my own chickens. I, I have no interest in that at all, but it was still really nice learning about it and seeing the chickens and petting their goats and holding baby chickens. And it was a really cute date idea. And I, you know, I had a nice time. It was, it was fun. It was very different for a date and uh, yeah, baby chickens are adorable. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. That you wouldn't think of it, but that is such a cool thing, um, thing to do. And, and I, speak for myself at least i think i also have no interest in, in in really even ability to do something like that but it would be really interesting to learn about it and and also you know cute baby chickens and goats that just sounds amazing yeah it, it was it was a fun afternoon so i i really enjoyed that that's pretty cool all right well then want to get into the the main topic and kind of talk about some stuff that uh that brings us joy I can go first if you want. Sure, that sounds like a good idea. I know you've got you've got some stuff already set aside for that. Yeah, I got some. Got I literally have some cards lined up around yep. me right now. So what I what I'm going to talk about is um, one of one of my commander decks. And I know this was kind of the the initial impetus of the idea or the, the core of the idea when you mentioned it. I'm not sure where you ended up, but I, I kind of ran with that. And so I'm. I'm going to talk about my Zyra Irene deck, which I hope is how you pronounce that. It's the insect legend lady from uh, Legends. Just green, red, black, one, two flyer, green, red, black, tap, draw a card. Target player draws a card. Really simple, straightforward commander, but is one that I probably never would have built. It's a card that's interesting to me, but uh, when I build a commander, used to build commander decks at least, I was very much about mechanics. I mean, that's, I represent sort of the mill side on the cast for a long time. And then you come along and you've got a lot of mill as well in you, but so like often a commander like this just wouldn't appeal to me, but ultimately I built this deck back in shadows over Innistrad because, uh, the get rug monster came out and I love land. I'd kind of learned about myself. Like I really like land centric strategies, but I really wanted get rug monster in the same deck as uh, relentless assault. So <laughs> Relentless Assault is a enchantment where you can discard lands to, to lightning bolt people and zap zap people for three, and then 
first get rog if you're familiar whenever a land goes to your graveyard from anywhere you draw a card and it's got a big body it's a it's a big creature but that's the relevant thing for me so i really wanted to do that and having well get rog is green and black does not fit red in there so i had to come up with and this was well before uh, lord windgrace came out so i had to come up with a jund deck and I had a couple different commanders I tried, but Zyra was just the best. It works really, she works really well as if I have not a whole lot going on with the deck, I can play Zyra at on turn three or at three mana, which sometimes is turn two, and start drawing cards to try to draw into more things. And ultimately as a one-two flyer, works really well as a chump blocker later in the game if needed. At three, can die a few times even and be really recastable, especially in a green deck with some accelerations. But then there's also, I can play games where Zyra never comes out and it's totally fine. So it, it, I loved that part of it. Um, but this this deck was the first deck I ever built that stayed together for, for more than a month or two. I, I really loved the deck and have worked on it. Well, Gitrog came out in Shadows of Innerstrad. That was, what, 2015, I think? So yeah. this is a deck I've been working on for, for almost eight years at this point, which is just kind of incredible to me that I've, I've had a deck together for, especially when I started, I was moving idea to idea to idea, and there were so many things I wanted to build, and I would build decks, play them for one game, and then tear them apart. And this was the first deck I came to that I had so much fun. I got to keep it together. <laughs> through new sets and then i got to learn like what that feels like to have a new set and not just be looking at it for general things or what new legends are here what new decks can i build but be like what new toys do i get for this deck that i already have and love so that was really cool um but then what really kind of kicked that up for me was during i moved in 2021 it's Time is weird right now, but so I moved around then. And so I, in the lead up to that, I went and I sold just a whole bunch of cards. I was just trying to clean up sort of what I had to move, just move fewer things to my new apartment. And I got a ton of store credits, <laughs> like way more than I was expecting and way more than I knew what to do with. So what I started doing with this deck was replacing. I'm not a big like f- a foil person by and large but i love promos and things and like i had collect promos before i had a promo cube for a while i built a few commander decks that were all promos and so this deck i mean there's cards that probably will never be printed as promos so i wasn't going to quite go that far with this deck but what i started doing was replacing every card i could with some sort of promotional or special printing and that also was now has added like layers onto the joy I feel when playing this deck because mechanically I just really enjoy it. A lot of the specific cards in it I really like. Like one of these that will never probably be reprinted again is is called Realms Uncharted. Are you familiar with this card, Taya? Yeah, is that the is that the one from uh, M13? Rise of the Eldrazi. Rise of the Eldrazi. <laughs> the okay. Copy I have, and I believe it's only been printed once. Okay. It is Gifts Ungiven for Lands. Right. Which, if you're not familiar with Gifts Ungiven, listeners, it's you search your library for four land, for this one, you search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two. Those go into your graveyard. The other two go into your hand. Gifts Ungiven is anything. 
Um, his yeah. ridiculous combo potential is broken in a bunch of eternal formats. Band and Commander. Band and Commander. Things like that. Yeah. Realms Uncharted, though, I love because A, it gives me lands to play. Yeah, I was B, confusing it with Boundless Realms. That oh, was the one that I was. Yes. Yes. Also a good card. And and yes. um, I'm not sure I have that in this deck right now, but it was in the deck at some point, I know. Um, I think that one's kind of bounced back and forth. Is my basic land count has gone up and down a bunch. Actually, it's up recently, so I should look at that, adding this again. But yeah, Rome's Uncharted, I just love that card. If if I had a signature card from this deck, it would be that card. Just because it's not, I don't do anything broken with it, by and large. I mean, I'll go get a bunch of like fetch lands or something. Like people always roll their eyes at it. But it just it puts lands in my hand and it puts lands in my graveyard. And those are two of my favorite places for lands to be in this deck. I mean, they're almost as good as play. And in some cases, they basically are in play. So like that one is a lot of fun. I've never taken that out. I have like Mountain Valley which is a land from Mirage that's that's a fetch land, but it comes in play tapped. But it's another oh, one, of the, one of the slow fetches. They never yeah. finished that slow cycle fetch. either. No, they just, yeah, just did the, the ally color, but this is, you know, but it also, it says mountain or forest card. So it has the yeah. good fetch portion. Mm-hmm. I can go get my duels with it. I can go get my tries, try land with it. But it's... And they've reprinted them in some commander decks. Like those those slow fetches have been reprinted. So I have a little bit of hope that we'll see A, the other ones, and B, potentially uh, some special printing of these. But so like that's fun. Um, it also gave me an opportunity, which I had done early, like even before I started switching out all these other cards, I, I put all these promo basics in because for a long time I was collecting promo basics, which I had up until... I quit because they're quit collecting them because there were so many coming out in sets and so many coming out in secret layers. I believe I had every promo basic outside of the turf lands, if that makes sense. Yeah, they they the, used to be they used to be a lot lot rarer, and now there's some yeah. with every set. Yeah, and and so like that was a lot of fun to collect those, and some of these I got in fairly cheap. Like I, I found. It was one of the APAC lands, the the special, the promo ones they did in Asia Pacific in the 90s at some point. But it was, I think it was Singapore. It was an island that just, it was the one of the most glorious things I'd ever seen. And so it felt ridiculous to pay $15 for an island that I could get for free off the floor somewhere on the hall floor. But it was like, I want this island. And that kind of got me collecting. I mean, I have the Mount Fuji Mountain, yeah, which was that one just gorgeous. That is gorgeous, and I would, I, I would really love to see either in a future Kamigawa set or something. If if not a direct oh, reprint, yeah. another one based on like a full art version, maybe or oh, yeah, I, I would love to see either yeah, like that art come back or something similar because it's just it's so nice. Um, there's there's a set of lands. These were the MPS Ravnica lands. Have you seen any of these? This was a, a thing from Japan. Yeah, I, I have seen these before. <laughs> so, like, it's these were ones that I first saw at a, at an LGS because there's just a person who has been playing forever and has a lot of this stuff. And they came out with the original Ravnica, and there are basics for all the guilds in their colors. So like I just pulled out for this, I have the Gruel Forest. And so it has the 
in foil in the man, you know, like the, the text box, you have the green mana symbol in the middle of the card, but then you have the guild, the gruel clans on one side, and then the actual gruel symbol on the other side. And it's the same for, for all 20 lands, two for each guild. Very cool. These are so nice. This, this one took me a little while to track down. One of my favorite, more recent ones was the, were the Magic Fest from 2020. Cause these are the ones that have the, Kylem like battle bond arenas. Oh right, yeah. So like I have all sorts, but like that was just a quick those are some of my favorites that I have in this deck and a few other decks as well, but like so that was fun. I mean, there's there's even a a few cards I specifically put into this deck because the promo cuz it, it was just so good. The recent burgeoning from Secret Lair oh from from Kellogg, Kellogg's Loops. Kellogg's loops. Good goodness. It's a, it was a specific artist uh, feature secret layer. And that burgeoning is just so gorgeous. I, I genuinely added the card to the deck because I love this art so much. Um, and concordant crossroads was the same thing. There was one in double masters that uh, in, in this one, I, I, I did replace a card that was similar. I'd Sarkin Vol in the deck for a long time because of his plus one that gives everybody haste. Mm-hmm. is really helpful in a deck where I'm, you know, making elementals with, with angry Omnath or Titania and things like that. It's nice to have, be able to just drop four mana, give everything haste and swing right now. So replace, and I, he had some other stuff, but that was the main point. And so replacing with Concordant Crossroads, A, I'm giving everyone haste, but then it's one instead of, excuse me, one instead of four. It was... We'll see. I, I haven't played the deck a ton. I'm, I'm hoping that swap works well. Yeah, that art from the Double Masters is pretty amazing too. Yeah, super nice. So like, and um, I got one I had pulled aside is probably one of my favorite cards in the deck is Life from the Loam. But like, one of the things that started my whole I you know thought pattern of of doing this was the first secret set of secret layers had this Life from, from the Loam right art from Dan Mumford that is really cool looking. And so that was the first one that I put in here when I had nothing else special. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe if I find some other stuff going on, like exploration came out around that time uh, and the first double masters and a few other things for were around that. I think cultivate the, the really nice looking cultivate came out in a course set around then. Yeah. The 21 course that cultivate was nice. Yeah. That's when they really started doing the uh, more and more of the, those. Yeah, that uh, that life from the loam printing is awesome with the they know, call a couple it... of crows on the gravestone. Oh yeah. yeah, and then there's the the nature's lore with the with the owl, and it doesn't really look like a magic card. It's just so differently structured, like that one. So that I don't even know what else is in that secret layer set. I genuinely bought it for this this card. That's I don't know, like two dollars in most of its printings or something. <laughs> but it was worth it because like this just looks so super cool so yeah it's it's just i love this deck it's fun to play and it's it's one of those like i i did with my my promo commander decks i always love because of those in particular it's such a it used to be such a small subset of cards now with booster fawn and secret layers it's a much larger set of cards i can build better decks but some of my first early promo deck all promo decks were just hot garbage because it was just whatever i could find that they happened to make promos of 
my my Riku two reflections deck was not good, and unfortunately, it got targeted because it was a Riku two reflections deck. And it's like ah, this this doesn't work. I just want to I just want to copy Wood Elves. That's all I want to do. But it, it, like with those two, I don't even. It kind of doesn't matter if I'm winning. I just grin. I'm grinning ear to ear because it's some of my favorite cards, and they are all so pretty. So that's that's my thing that just kind of always brings me joy. Well, you know, I I'm kind of bummed Hobbs isn't here because you know what I really wanted to talk about is kind of the big recent thing was definitely um, you know Magicon Minneapolis and getting to see you and Hobbs in person and everybody else and just getting to spend time with people like Michelle Rapp who I hadn't seen in forever and people from all over and hang out and play games. I actually got games in, which I'm surprised. I usually, you know, a lot of times I'll go to these magic things and maybe get one or two games. <laughs> I managed to get quite a few in, especially Sunday. I got in a lot on Sunday. I guess, I mean, after the panel, I didn't have a whole lot going on. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was something big for me is just, you know, coming out, seeing y'all and uh, spending the, the weekend out there was uh, a really big uh, source of joy for me. Yeah. That's, and, uh, yeah, it was really good. It was really good to see. I wish I'd been able to spend more time at the, at the, the con, but I'm glad you got to play a lot of magic. And do, do you have any big highlights from like, the games you're playing and stuff? Yeah, I'll, I managed to villainous wealth somebody for 36 and still lost that game. Mm -hmm. That was uh, that was amusing. Um, but uh, I, I did I did deck the person though that I villainous wealth. <laughs> yep. Not not with the villainous wealth, but um, shortly thereafter. That was that was fun just doing the panel, you know, being up there with friends and, you know, I got to, I, I went out to dinner with a, a bunch of people, including Shivam and um, Kathleen and Graham from Loading Ready Run and Michelle. And that was pretty, it's like, wow, who I'm like with all these super cool people. And it's just like, oh, this is just me here with all these awesome people. How did I get here? Yep. Yep. That, know that feeling i know that feeling yeah and yeah it was especially hit me the the next day when they were um doing their signing at the lrr booth and the line is like super long and it's like and i was just hanging out with these people at dinner last night like it was nothing and you know yeah like i watch them i watch them all the time online and it was just cool to be able to hang out with them and and like, how do I, how do I end up in situations like this? Yeah. Mostly, mostly because of Michelle, I have to say. That's uh, Michelle or Hobbs. Uh, that's how I end up in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know that feeling too. Spending time <laughs> with Hobbs is at, at events like this sometimes is really surreal because he's just been in the community for so long. Yeah. He just seems to know everyone. Yeah. And it's it's the same with Michelle. She knows everybody, and yep. Just, did you did you get a chance to to meet Vorthos Mike? 
I did uh, when I uh, I gave him his uh, two good doggos cards from the uh, Gavin's Unknown event. I got the the Yoshimaro and whatever the other dog is. I can't think of it right now. Okay, Isamaru maybe. I don't know. Ishimaru or yeah, it's the the double doggo um, card, and I. Uh, I played against Chris Cluey and uh, he had a copy of it. And I'm like, I know someone who would really like that. And Chris was like, here, give it to him. That's awesome. And then I I hunted uh, Vorthos Mike down on Sunday and gave him the card. And uh, he was very appreciative. I got, um, speaking of the, the, if you're not familiar with the Gavron's mystery event, it's something they started doing in Philadelphia. And this is the coolest thing. Um, because they're they're doing it in all of the Magic Cons this year, and they're all a special tournament with a twist. And they they start off as like a regular sealed tournament, but there's something not quite normal about them. Uh, so like this one, first they they handed out that the sealed deck was some March of the Machines boosters draft boosters a set booster and some mystery convention boosters so that was our sealed pool to begin (laughs) and on top of that we were given sealed play test cards they were 10 randomized packs of of, there's like and gavin did a video on this you can go watch it on his youtube channel which i highly recommend if you're interested because it was really cool and he goes through all the cards but there's 10 randomized cards of of these play test cards made just for this event they'll never be used again and one of the things they did for this event was because of all the mashup, you know, the team up event cards that just came out in March of the Machine, they did a bunch of them in this event. So there was team up cards like Emrakul and Chatterfang. <laughs> and and the yeah, the the dogs and like oh you mentioned Riku earlier. I have a Riku and Riku team up card. That's the best. That's fantastic. I opened a Helena and Elena and Chisa and Giralf. (laughs) Double team up of team ups. And I gave that one to Sean and McGuire. I thought, you know, if there's anyone who needs a card with geese on and it would be her. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. But, you know, this is so cool. And then there's just other cards besides the team up cards. There's just other wacky cards. Like, I, I had Incubob, which was like Incubate, except it makes it makes Bob. It, it makes uh, a <laughs> yeah, Dark Confidants uh, instead of Incubate tokens. And when you flip them, they're Dark Confidants instead of regular Incubate tokens. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah. it, it's just, it, it's kind of ridiculous like that. And then, and on top of that, because it was the you know, the, the going through the planar battles is there was this like mini planes chase thing going on in the background where everybody who was playing was on the same plane at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it, the the planar things were all like really weird things. Like we were on Dominaria, Yargle's Barge, and anyone could pay five <laughs> mana and discard a land to create Yargle. Oh my God. <laughs> you know. I was really bummed I couldn't do this event on Sunday as well because it overlapped with our panel. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm bummed that I'm going to miss Vegas later this year because I have a conflict because I won't be able to go again. But I highly, highly recommend it is worth going to one of these magic cons just to do Gavin's mystery event. So can't recommend it enough. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I'm, I'm so glad we're, we're talking about it. Cause I know I talked to you about it briefly, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it in more detail. That that's awesome. Yeah. I, I recommend watching his video on good morning magic where he goes through all the cards because there are some really amusing cards in this set. Yeah, and that's it's that's what I love these events for. I think, like you say, if if you can if you can do it, if you feel comfortable, if you're in a position where you you feel safe doing that, and you're able to, especially with so few cons this year, and we'll see what next year brings. But they they're just able to do stuff that you can't do at a normal LGS level. And and even outside of like this particular incredibly specific event, like I did a ice ice age sealed <laughs> at a Magic Con almost or a Grand Prix at the time um, in twenty fourteen, and that was just like here's what oh, how they do. I think it was four Cold Snap, two Ice Age packs, yeah. and and I mean at the time it was cheaper than those are right now, but you just we got 17 people it was 17 people and a judge and all 17 of us had played when ice age first originally came out so we were basically just hanging out sure it was you know sanctioned it's being run there's a judge there you know we're doing the event but we're all just chatting we're all just you know having fun and, and joking and hey remember this or hey someone pulled an amulet of quag or something which is an anti-card from back oh, magic right. used to have anti and they had to like ask the judge, like, can I even play this? And the judge was like, I don't know. And had to go find out. And it was just a weird thing, but it was it was a lot of fun. And that's that Gavin's event sounds like just a bigger <laughs> blown out version of that type of stuff. Yeah, it, it was. It was really great. You know, they were doing it. It also was to raise money for the Trevor project. Um, so that was cool that they did that on top of it. Yeah, you know, I I had a really great time doing that event, and uh, I, I got to, like I said, I played uh, Chris Cluey in one round. I played Shivam in the last round. Uh, Shivam wrecked me with an Elishnorn. I went 0-3 in that event. I, I went to three games every round and just could not win a, I, I could not win a round. Thanks mostly to uh, Elish Norn um, on Shivam's end, but oh, also the first round, you, you know, you know, Coma, right? The Cosmo Serpent, the one that makes the coils every upkeep. Yes. That Commander Nightmare card uh, is, you know, you basically have to have an exile effect to get rid of it. They, they one of the team up cards was was Coma and Toski, <laughs> so it made. It made Phyrexian squirrel coils, and Yikes. and then they dealt. They drew cards when they dealt damage. Oh my! But it God. also was it was impossible to get rid of, just like the real, just like the real coma, and that that wiped me two games. So some of the things were definitely uh, a painful, but uh, yeah, it was fun though. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, glad to 
glad that was a lot of fun and glad you had a had a good time. These events are are great when you can you can go to them and like I said, I, I had a similar experience in years past with, with yeah. Mike where I would just like, there was one day I was just leaving. Like it was Sunday, it was four or five o'clock, fairly late in the day, but I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to say goodbye to some people. And I said, Hey, you know, just heading out. And, and he points at me. He's like, you're coming to dinner, right? Okay. I guess I'm sitting down. I'm coming to dinner. And it was like, it's just a group of people, some, some person or two I'd met before, but just a group of magic folks who many of whom I met through that night through Mike and just with a big yeah. group. And it's just the, the folks who, that's what makes this community so special sometimes it's one of the things that makes this community special and yeah these are these are good forums to be able to kind of do, blow that out to do that in, in a in a big way so yeah i mean that was that was definitely something big to bring me joy recently and um kind of uh had a well, I gotten to play a little since being home, kind of getting back into you know going from magic all weekend and playing and talking about it and round friends to going back to the normal normal way of life is always like a big con drop afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely I, felt it this time. Yep. Yeah, no, me too. Like, and that's I when I can, I tend to I try to take a day off to kind of recuperate a little bit, recharge. But then you get, I, like, I get back to work, and and I love my coworkers. They're they're wonderful people, but they have no frame of reference for most of my hobbies. And so it's things like, so how was your weekend? How was the event? And they're like, okay, it was cool, but I can't really like get into very much with them because they have no idea what this is or understand it. They're just happy that I did something that was cool and fun. Yeah, which is which is nice. Like it's great that they're they're so excited about about that with me. But but like you say, you know, you go and you spend all weekend with a bunch of folks who you all have this common language. We're playing magic. We're hanging out. We have a lot of other things in common. And then you get get back to the you know your normal life, and a lot of that is just gone. Yeah, and I think that's you know kind of one thing you. Uh, you look forward to the next thing after that. And I, I think that's one thing that makes it hard that there aren't a lot of the things like this going on right now. And there's, you know, we're getting some command fest and some local, more local stuff. Um, but for the most part, yeah, they're doing the four big events during the year when we used to have events there used to be an event going on like somewhere in the country almost every weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot more around the world too. For, yeah. You know, at this point, the, the non U S gets Barcelona. Cool. Yeah. Great for folks around there. Um, but if you can't travel to the U S you can't travel to Barcelona. You're, you're stuck this year for, for the big yeah. official events. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all in Asia, which is kind of surprising that they, or, or don't have anything in that market um it's and yeah it, it's a bummer for the people who can't make one of those limited events and it would be really good if they um you know start doing i don't see them stepping back from this big con style event now that they've started doing them i think they're going to be doing more of this where they have 
you know, a, a couple of big tent, you know, big temple events during the year and then have some smaller events like the command fest that are more regional. You know, they've got their partnership with read pop now and they seem, seem like these are being very successful. So I have a feeling this is going to be what we see next year too, whenever they announce the plans for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what we usually see around July-ish. At least that's what we used to. I guess I can't remember last year when they announced the schedule for this year. I think they announced the schedule for this year. When did they announce Minneapolis? It was after. It was all after Vegas. I know that. Yeah. Well, and they announced the three domestic, the three domestic in the U.S. together. Because I remember they just yeah. said we're doing four. Philly, Vegas, Minneapolis, and Europe? Question mark or not? Europe, yeah, it was somewhere in Europe. Like it was Europe for sure, but they didn't have the city nailed down. Yeah, so those were all. I think they were announced sometime around the holidays. So oh, was that late? Because because they were done at they were definitely done after Vegas. Yeah, when was Vegas last year? Vegas was uh, it was Halloween weekend. Oh, that's right. Okay, so it could be later. Than, we'll see. I'm. Hoping things are a little more organized. Maybe they were kind of just waiting to see how the stuff. I mean, and I get in this in this world, this environment after you know, quote unquote, post COVID, not actually post COVID, but post the pandemic, officially designated pandemic phase of COVID. I suppose. I I, I understand them not wanting to do tons and tons, especially if you're working. These are much bigger. And oh, they are more. they are so much bigger than the oh. old Grand Prix are. I mean, the, yeah. the amount of if you haven't seen or been involved with one of these, the the just the size and like the amount of stuff they bring in for the planeswalker rooms and the props and mm-hmm. everything else, it, it blows it's away the old huge. Grand Prix and, and the space taken up. Like I have no idea how big the events in the other places yeah. were, but here in, in Minneapolis and I was, I was kind of talking to you, you being there had some sense of scales. So I'm trying yeah. to explain this, but they used, I would guess a third, maybe a quarter of the space that this, uh, a con used this year. And it, it, to the point where like they actually had two major sections of floor which is not how any of the minneapolis events have been before is very much we're in this one space you got the vendors you got the artists you got the tables and that's kind of what they take up and this time it was so much bigger they took up a lot of yeah. the, a lot more of the convention center than i thought they were going to and that's just here in minneapolis i imagine vegas is probably even bigger than than what they're doing here and yeah the, the the venue they had it in vegas in the fall was awful um Mm -hmm. so hopefully it'll be back at the convention center this year okay um but yeah they had they had the whole facility at the one plus plus uh building you know um a couple of blocks away uh, in vegas and it was it was not good. The, they had the whole thing was like outside waiting to get in was a giant cattle car, you know, catacall area where everyone was just like boxed in and then they would release like one gate at a time to let people in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you were yeah. telling me about that. That's, yeah. That doesn't sound very, especially no, in, in it Vegas. Was, oh. It was not, it was not good. And I think that was just because they, they put Vegas together pretty last minute. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm hopeful we'll get an announcement maybe a little earlier this year to give people more time to plan. And I'm hopeful it's going to be bigger. I don't expect it to be too much bigger, like number wise. We got four this year, just randomly with based on no information, just my own guess. I'm guessing we'll have like maybe six or eight next year. Yeah. I don't think they're going to scale it too fast because it's, these things are so much bigger and, I'll be surprised if we get more than four again next no. year of the main cons. I think we'll see okay. more of the smaller cons. Mm, that would make sense. I, that that makes sense too. To, yeah. to try to scale up more events, but without on the on the smaller end of things that are less logistically heavy. For yeah. Them to do. Yeah, that would make sense. No, so, yeah. I, I don't see them doing more than one of these every season because these are these are big. Yeah. Yeah, they're like I said, I can't believe how big this was. And that, that might be why there's only the one outside yeah. of the US. And I think you know, they also aligned them with the Pro based. Tour, you know, for the people who actually care about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it it lets them kind of box multiple things together to build yeah. kind of a big event. Which in, in this case works. Like that's that's part of why the Grand Prix worked before. It was like it was all about one big tournament, but they're like but we have enough magic players in one place. We can run on-demand drafts all day long. We can run yeah. weird site events, you know, bring in the artists. And so th- this kind of does the same thing. You hit a critical mass of people. You can start yeah, to do now, more now it seems It's more about we're doing a magic convention and, oh, yeah, the pro tour is happening at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it's like it, it kind of flips what's the main thing, but yeah, serves a similar purpose still. Like the, the big right. tournament's the small thing, but it still brings in more people and, and allows us to kind of package this all together to do more overall yeah yeah so oh i uh think that was uh kind of a a good overview though i wanted to have some time to talk about how that went because last week we we focused on the their um you know the spark uh spark rupture and so i thought it would be good to have some time to kind of uh go over how minneapolis went because it was great yeah that that was a really good call that's that's that was this was good and and thank you for for bringing up this topic and just i think we're coming to the end here so just want to remind folks that this is still may it's coming out probably right at the very very end of of may but you know mental health awareness month it's an important topic it's an important thing we want to keep talking about see we we make a focus of it in may but it's a topic we talk about all year long and we've got resources in our show notes if if you ever feel like you need you need help you need to reach out to someone there's there's resources and information in our show notes please if of every episode all the time that we post Part of that mental health is, you know, seizing what does give you joy. You know, find mm-hmm. those small bits. Sometimes that's all you have and, you know, grab onto them and hold on. Hello, Podwalkers. Uh, I believe at this point you have just finished listening to Alex and Taya talk about kind of the the ode to joy there, what, what brings them joy, a topic that we thought was really important as a cast to be hitting on. And... As you probably know, and they did say that I wasn't going to be on the episode. And if it, people may know from following me online or may be aware of this, just, uh, just I don't know. Um, but anyway, this is Hobbs Q. And uh, currently, I am been life has been chaotic. And, and I mean that in the sense of my grandmother, my last remaining grandparent, uh, who also 
was kind of one of the more influential, probably the most influential in my life. Uh, she's from England or um, is currently on hospice. And she and my grandfather, uh, my papa, and she's my nan, were the grandparents I spent the most time with as a child. So this last week, I was asked to go to California, um, come out, because she has been on hospice for a couple of weeks, but there was thought that, you know, unfortunately, death may be imminent. Um, a little bit of a content warning that I, I am kind of going to be talking a little bit about grief, even though it's almost like pre-grieving, it's thinking ahead. But I'm also going to be speaking about joy, similar to kind of what Alex and Taya d- did with their portion of the episode today. When I kind of found to the point that we had gotten to where my it was very clear that my grandmother was going to be passing, is going to be passing at this point, you know, it's time being what it is. My my thought is by the time you hear this, I don't know. I don't know if she'll be alive. I don't know if she won't. Um, but I was looking for a way to kind of memorialize my my family and my 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 heritage and my kind of the influences of my grandparents growing up. Um some may know that I, I have a memorial to my dog, Bean. Um, he was the first dog I had on my own, uh, on my leg in the form of a tattoo of his paw print that was taken directly from an inking. And I actually also have plans to get a inked uh, nose print from my dog, Duncan, who many in the magic community do, do know who he is before he passed. And it got me thinking about tattoos. So... I, I have two tattoos to date. I have more planned. I already did have more planned, but I had been kind of realizing that a lot of what I, it, it took me a while to get my first tattoo. Uh, I have a Hobbs. That was my very first tattoo. It's just kind of a simple Hobbs. And I had known I had wanted a tattoo for many, many years, but wasn't sure what I wanted that to be, what it was going to look like. And so I finally decided to get a just simple Hobbs facing forward on my arm. Um, Hobbes has been the, uh, Calvin and Hobbes in particular, but Hobbes was a big influence in my life is evidenced by my screen name and my gamer handle and basically my old screen name from the time I was a freshman in college in 98. Uh, I took on kind of the name of Hobbes Q and in reference to that. And so I had known that I likely after studying that comic in such a way that it was actually one of the first things that ever really elicited joy for me when I was working on my, even my undergraduate degree and in papers and freedom. I was in a personality psych class and I had a teacher that let us, she wanted us to look at uh, different, either historical or fictional. And really she was thinking novels, um, movies, and then real historical people um, to analyze or to look at their personalities based on kind of some of the different theories that we have around personality. And I approached and asked if I could do one on Calvin and Hobbes, which is kind of, I think, in line with what I've always done when it comes to what is passionate and what I'm passionate about is I find a way to make it work. Uh, You know, I kind of threw it out there and the teacher at first was kind of like laughed about it and then was asking me, you know, like to to pitch it basically. And I I did. and, And I, and she was very convinced that I would be, you know, taking this as an, an academic pursuit and not just reading comics, which, which is what it appeared to everybody on the outside. Um, I mean, this this that led into my uh, my undergraduate honors thesis on looking at films from the '80s for accuracy of representation of mental health and stigma. And you know, once again, the the thought was that I basically was using my uh, 
I, I was finding a way to basically turn my love of watching movies into a, a thesis, and I did. Um, I graduated with honors for you know the work that I did with that, and, and sadly, still looking at the amount of stigma that's in films now. Um, so it was, a, you know, this has always been something that was kind of what drew me to the field was when I could marry my love and my passions with also my beliefs around stigma and my beliefs around mental health and my analytical kind of perspective, my ability to analyze things. And Hobbes has always stayed with me because of that, Calvin and Hobbes in particular, but Hobbes is a, is a, is a figure. So I had that. And then I started from there, you know, thinking about, well, my dog passed and that was something that was very important to me. He really, it was kind of, um, when I was struggling my way through grad school, I had my dogs and, and, I I found my way through. Uh, he came out here with me to Minnesota. It was basically a restart for him and I. Uh, well, for me in particular, but I had him with me, and it, it was him and I that first year I was here in Minnesota. My um, Duncan joined us the next year. So I mean, these are always these things that in my life that are very important to me, and I want a way to be able to to see them on myself and to have other people be able to see them. You know. Uh, I mean, th it's funny because they're in places where, you know, it's like they're not going to be seen at work. They're on my upper arm and my calf. But when I run, which is, you know, one of the reasons, the things I think about, I really have the joy of hoping that somebody sees this dog paw print and it makes them think of a dog or they see the hobs and they get, you know, that brings up or conjures some memory for them. Because a lot of what that is, is we don't know what ties people may have to these symbols there are there are my it's my symbol you know the, it, it's what it means to me but i love the idea of other people being able to see it and to maybe spark something um so when all this was happening i really had the thought of i want to be able to memorialize my my heritage my family and um so i actually commissioned james arnold so some may know james arnold from from magic he did a ascent of the worthy he did the mirari conjecture mainly he designed frames and did set symbols for a long time for magic the gathering and i really enjoy his style and his kind of passion uh, just as a human um i've been fortunate enough to get to know him and spend time with him and have great conversations with him that really make me think and i knew that he would be somebody that i would want whose work i would want to be able to to kind of capture this so i reached out to him to talk about kind of commissioning something uh for my for my family uh something that would combine elements of every one of my grandparents and it's coming it's it is actually coming uh, i mean as soon as i can get it done uh he worked so quick with it and he was able to take my vision or what I didn't, I didn't have a vision. I had ideas. Um, you know, I was thinking of the concept of a, a butterfly representing one of the things to do with my grandmother who is on hospice now, but just really kind of that, that birth uh, and the kind of the, the move from the cocoon to a butterfly is something that just really stands with me and thinking of the wing patterns. And, you know, I was kind of like thinking, okay, a butterfly that's just a very large one where wing segments could represent sagas or different elements of the family and he wrote back to me after I had kind of filled out a pretty good questionnaire, gave him backstory and gave him information about my family and sent me a design that was completely different in, the, in, in what I had envisioned, but hit so much more on. And this is why I love artists and this is why I value visual artists in particular, because he was able to take the butterfly and give it movement by not having the whole image be a butterfly, but be a butterfly with a backdrop behind it. 
and he incorporated my family, my dad's family were beekeepers and, you know, they, they had an apiary. I mean, we have stuff with their name on it. It's a big part of even my dad's identity. He talks a lot about it, you know, having old honey jars and just learning about that. That's what my family did. You know, they were, my, my grandfather was a mailman. My grandmother kind of ran the bee business and she was very much that kind of, uh, that was her, you know, really big kind of just what she enjoyed doing and what, what she did for the family, um, as well as raising, you know, four kids. Uh, and she also loved hummingbirds. So, you know, I kind of started pulling these images together. Um, my, my grandfather, my, my mom's dad, the one, my papa, the one that I was, you know, saying him and my, my nan were the most kind of influential in the sense of just, that's who we spent a lot of our, my childhood with. Uh, he worked in the oil fields and he also, though, is the one who made me an Angels fan. I mean, doesn't mean like forced me to be one, but he was the one who, watched the angels. He was the one who listened to them. He was the one who followed them. He was the one who talked to me about baseball from the time I was a kid that used to take me to games. And he was the one that even in, in kind of in later in his life, you know, that was my connection to him. I would call him on the radio or sorry, I would call him on the phone just to talk about baseball, right? You know, at a time when I maybe I needed that support from my family, but I really didn't want to talk about maybe mental health struggles and everything. I just needed connect and that's what he would I, him and I would do um James was able to take a, and kind of like it's just this the, the part that's gonna be amazing is this is, this is why it's bringing me such joy as I think about it to bring that the a the big a uh, the angel symbol uh with the halo around it into the background of this nature driven design with the bees and the butterfly uh and the hummingbird and really kind of some beehive geometric shapes i mean it's it's the image itself encapsulates so much and he was able to take that a the the halo and bring it in and i i just it's bringing me such joy to think about the fact that this is going to be on my calf it's going to be somewhere big and prominent that when i'm out it's going to be seen um the final elements are flowers. Uh, my grandmother, who is on hospice currently, is uh, was a florist for many years. She worked in the church, and then she actually owned her own flower business. I grew up around flowers. And he was, she's also British, as I was saying, and he was able to incorporate both an English rose, um, which was also the favorite flower of my other grandmother, along with white daisies, which were very symbolic for my, my, my nan, uh, who's currently on hospice. And while I was visiting California uh, this past week and when Alex and Taya recorded, this image was something that I wanted to share with my family. Um, they're not tattoo people, so it's kind of a, one of those weird things. You know, I think that they like don't always get that I have the ones I have and that I want more. That's just not really something it, that it was. But they all wanted to see the image. Um, my dad commented on it who just not his typical kind of way to think about it he was the one who gave me you know like suggestions even related to his own parents which is what i wanted um my, my uncle does stained glass and is looking at getting the the image files when i get them and and actually working the image into a stained glass piece because that was something else that i actually asked james to do was to make the butterfly stained glass now without color because i'm doing it in black and white and um, that comes from just the fact that there was stained glass kind of around uh, both grandparents' houses. One collected uh, um, antiques, and then my grandparents had stained glass that my uncle had done built into their their doorways. 
And uh, it just, it's incredible. It's just something that's bringing me incredible joy in this time when I'm also having to prepare for the death of my my final grandparent, um, which brings a lot with it. Um, the weight of kind of that not having a generation anymore that that went back to World War II and that, you know, a grandmother who came over here from the UK and like resettled here and spent her life here and then, you know, took her opportunities to, she still traveled back when I was a kid and I, and I had, I was fortunate enough to have those opportunities to get to meet even an older generation than that. You know, I had great grandparents that were involved, including um, a great grandfather in, in England and I got to meet him. And so it's just making me think of this concept of generations and to me, I'm always about, uh, you know, Jen and I are a lot about kind of traditions. Our wedding rings, my wedding ring is my my papa's. Her wedding ring um, stone and in the initial design belonged to her great-grandmother. You know, we have a lot of pieces around our house that are memorials. And being able to take that and to, to, to have it where it's going to be something that all of you will be able to see, you know, if, well, if we ever go out for a run together. It was just something that was really important for me. And it was also important for me to just come on and kind of mention, you know, I've been... It, there's been a lot going on with the uncertainty of her health and just uh, just kind of chaos um, at home with with that for for both my mom so my mom and who's and dad who are who live the closest and my uncle I mean we're a very small family at this point I'm an only it's my I'm an only grandchild so for this this is this is kind of it it's my mom and her brother and me um, and so it was very important for me to be able to to leave, to go out there. And I'm privileged enough to be able to, and fortunate enough to be able to. And I just wanted people to listen to this, to understand that and to know, I mean, we were in mental health awareness month and in some ways it was kind of this, you know, felt like abandoning the show um, at a time when I know that that's what needed to be done uh, just in terms of what was going on. However, you know, it's, it is always still that, that piece of me that's going to struggle with the fact that we are talking mental health awareness. We are talking about, taking care of ourselves and self-care and also feeling like, you know, I don't know, a sense of responsibility. Um, yeah. And that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I wanted to be able to share with you all and add this on to the end of kind of Alex and Taya's great discussion already, but just wanting people to think about what brings them joy, uh, especially as we kind of leave Mental Health Awareness Month and go, go right into pride. But just we are thinking of what brings us joy. We are thinking about those pieces of our recovery that really are about, you know, we had a lot of heavy episodes this month, um, which is typical. We had the panel, um, you know, this is, th those are the elements that often comes up when we bring up these difficult topics. But as we talked about with the panel, the concept of recovery is a hope and it's a concept that there are things that bring us joy and there are things that we can be grateful for. And it's important to look back at them. And, you know, we all wanted to kind of highlight something and I just want to, 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 I really it was really important to me to add this on, even though I wasn't able to join Alex and Taya. And so I just wanted to say that, and I wanted to thank you all for, um, yeah, for, for also coming along for the ride. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Editing and production was done by Tom Gustafson, who can be found on Twitter at PSG Reader. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music 
by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Stephen Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raffle. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at hipstersofthecoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>